Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel. This is a special edition of The Sword and the Trowel because we have a special announcement that many of you have probably already seen on social media. Um, Tom has some words. Uh, Tom, what have you done? Well, what I've done is uh, I have agreed to let myself be nominated as a candidate for the presidency of the SBC, believe it or not. So uh, that has brought us to a point where we're having this special Sword and Trowel episode just to talk about that. Mm. Um, I'm excited for, for you. I'm excited for this. I know it's going to be a wild ride for sure, um, but I think that you're a great guy for the job. Why did you decide to allow your name to be submitted? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot uh, since agreeing to it, and even before. For over the last several years, I don't know, going back seven, six, seven, eight years, I guess, I've had people say, man, you ought to run for president of the SBC, and then that ramped up over the last couple of years, and uh, especially the last year, and then the last few months. Um, it has. And then when Ed Litton announced that he was not going to seek a second term, which he's eligible to seek, uh, I had people calling me, emailing me saying, hey, you need to think about this. Would you at least pray about this? So um, up until then, uh, my standard response had been, look, man, I'd rather be beaten by a bag of pennies than to uh, (laughs) enter into that fray. There's a lot better guys than me to do this. And I still believe that. I think there's a lot better pastors uh, than I am who could do this job well. I think last year Mike Stone uh, would have done this job very, very well. But as uh, I've listened to people that I love and trust and respect, and they've said, yeah, we think you ought to seriously consider this, did that, uh, talked to the elders. You're one of my fellow elders. We went over it and back and forth about it and came to uh, consensus, real clarity and unity about it, talked to the church about it, and the church was very supportive of it. Um, so in, in light of that, it's just I, I can't find a reason not to do this. And uh, it seems like God's led us this way. And I, I certainly have concerns about the SBC. I think we need to change the direction uh, that the SBC has been going the last few years. And um, if I can be useful and helpful in that, then uh, I'm willing to be. Yeah. Yeah, as, as long as I've been on staff at Grace Baptist Church, it's kind of been an idea that's been floating around for the past uh, five years or so, and usually just kind of laughed off, you know, mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be fun um, or funny? <laughs> and, um, but it seems that increasingly, over the past month or so, yeah. um, it's the, the words, thou art the man, have come to <laughs> mind. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, even on this show, a, a few times we've talked about the state of our leadership in evangelicalism broadly, but also in the Southern Baptist Convention. And I've said several times, you know, we need to be willing to step into those positions as much as uh, we might criticize. We also have to be willing to take those positions. And you didn't know it, but I was actually talking about you. <laughs> By we, I thought you meant you or <laughs> no, somebody no. else. The royal yeah. we? No, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. So when you when you look at the Southern Baptist Convention, I mean, what are the, the major issues that you see that you think that they need correction? And then maybe what are some of the more hopeful things that you see in the convention right now? Yeah, well, I mean, the convention, it, it, I love the SBC, and we have an incredible organization. I mean, you say what you will, there's nothing like it in the evangelical world that I know of in terms of our ability to uh, the- provide theological education. You know, we do that. I think one-third of the theology students in North America are in Southern Baptist seminaries, which is just amazing. It's mind-boggling to mm-hmm. think about that kind of influence. We have the largest missionary sending force in the world right now through the North American Mission Board and International Mission Board. Uh, there's just a disaster relief, second to none. The American Red Cross you know, goes to school on Southern Baptist disaster relief. So God has, has blessed this organization and its structure, and there's there's wonderful things about it. But 
there have been some infiltration made over the last several years from secularism in society, which is always at work. And we were warned in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, to not let yourself be squeezed into the world's mold, the way that J.B. Phillips puts that verse 2. Uh, but we are to be transformed through the renewal of our minds. And I think the world has been pretty effective in yeah. insinuating some of its secular ide- ideologies into evangelical spaces more generally, and the SBC is not immune to it. We've seen it. I mean, Resolution 9 in 2019, I think, was a disaster, both in the way that it was handled by the Resolutions Committee and in what it actually says. And you know, that's not a surprise to anybody that's followed what I write or this podcast. You've documented that fairly thoroughly in the on the documentary. Yeah, you know, the, the by what standard, that documentary came out as a result of that to try to communicate. Here's what we're letting people speak in their own words of things that they advocate, you know? So we, we've got all kinds of documentation where some of our leaders have just kind of kowtowed to the culture regarding critical race theory, intersexuality, you know, some other ideas that um, take their cues more from neo-Marxism, quite honestly, than they do from the scriptures. And I'm concerned about that. And we ought to be concerned about that. And we at least ought to be willing to have an honest conversation about it. But as we saw in Nashville at the annual meeting in 2021, uh, there wasn't much opportunity to have an honest conversation about it. Because there, uh, the 2021 convention, there was a resolution on the incompatibility of critical race theory and intersectionality with the Baptist faith and message that was submitted to the committee beforehand by over 1,300 Southern Baptists. And the committee wouldn't even bring it out for the convention to debate and consider, wouldn't even have it read uh, for and put up for vote. And they just wrote it off. 1,300 Southern Baptists signed their name to that resolution. That's unprecedented. It's never happened. Anything close to that's never ever happened before. So there, there was that. And then the resolutions committee, the, the way the chairman uh, treated many of the messengers. Yeah. It, it was... Uh, it was not. It was disrespectful. It was infuriating. It, it really was. A lot of people got disillusioned. A lot of churches left the convention after Nashville. So, you know, looking at this, talking to people, I, I've tried to have honest, have honest conversations with different ones and various levels of leadership and responsibility in the convention about these issues. And and sometimes I've been treated respectfully, but sometimes I've been treated very disrespectfully. And I'm just an ordinary pastor. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I pastor a, a typical size. SBC church mm-hmm. and it's churches like ours, pastors like me, that I think just haven't been given opportunity to have our concerns genuinely heard. I've got emails from pastors and churches that have uh, been sent to entity heads in the SBC listing serious concerns and they're just dismissed with pro forma responses that are, are lacking any real substance mm-hmm. and you know, churches are tired of it. And, and that's not the way we should operate because man, the, the, uh, the ligaments, the, the connective tissue of the convention is trust mm-hmm. and trust is being broken when these kinds of legitimate concerns are not being given a fair hearing. We need to change the direction of our convention. If we're going to maintain the kind of unity that we must have in order to cooperate for the propagation of the gospel around the world, which I, I think every Southern Baptist, every Southern Baptist church genuinely wants to see happen. Yeah, you know, I think when you talk about secularism coming into evangelicalism, 
I think that's happening in the SBC. It's secularism with a Baptist flavor, and right. so it, it appears to be a little bit more Christian. And I think the reason for that is because um, Christians within the Southern Baptist Convention, um, they're so concerned with evangelism, which is a, mm-hmm. a right. great concern to have, a right concern to have, and it should be one of our top priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we're so concerned with evangelism and our methods of evangelism, we think that unless people on the outside look at us and like everything that we do and like everything that we say, they're not going to hear the gospel from us. Right. And so I think the Southern Baptist Convention has kind of taken on this, well, we got to look like the culture. we got to sound mm-hmm. like the culture and then insert the gospel into that cultural message, um, which then just makes us indistinguishable from the rest of the world and it dilutes the gospel yeah i think it was sometime last year maybe either right before the presidential election right after kamala harris said something really just uh, terrible and uh so i I just put something up on social media that if kamala harris doesn't repent she's going to go to hell i mean you would have thought i denied the virgin birth uh Uh, in fact i'd have probably gotten off easier had i denied the virgin birth from christians even southern baptists i can't believe you'd say that how disrespectful look and I'd say that about Ronald Reagan. I'd say that about the, the Pope, you know, anybody, Billy Graham. If if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. You know, I mean, that's just common fare there. Yeah. And to suggest that somebody can go down a road of sin, advocating sin, contending that sin is right and good and proper, mm-hmm. and be right with God, that's mind-boggling to me that any self-respecting, Bible-believing Southern Baptist would ever believe that. Yeah. But that's where we are. It's, oh, you looked like you weren't being kind, you know, you weren't being nice. And I, I'm afraid that that mantra that we heard in Nashville repeated so often, the world is watching, the world is watching, has become kind of the litmus test to determine whether what we say and do uh, is appropriate or not. Yeah. What does the world think? Yeah, if we were more concerned with the fact that God is watching rather than the world is watching, if, if the fear of God were more present Amen. in our hearts than the fear of man, I think that we'd be a lot better off. And, and I hope that, you know, the Lord can direct us that yeah. way. Um, so how long have you been a member of a Southern Baptist church and how long have you been a Southern Baptist pastor? Yeah, well, those are great questions. Uh, I mean, my mom and dad were Southern Baptists and so I was in the cradle role, you know, all the way up and, uh, Southern uh, Baptist before you were saved. That, yes, definitely. Um, uh, and, and God saved me while I was a child, a young child, about eight or nine. And, um, so I've been in Southern Baptist churches all my life. I've never, not been a member of a Southern Baptist church. I've been a Southern Baptist pastor. I was trying to count this up. I think, I think I just clocked like 44 years or 43 years. Yeah. 43 years. Uh, pastored a little church outside of college station, uh, Texas when I was a student at A&M and went from there to uh, a large church in Dallas, North Dallas, where I was on staff for about five, a little more than five years. And then from there came here to Grace Baptist church in Cape Coral, Florida, where I've been uh, 36 years. So mm. I've, I've been around a long time mm. in, uh, in Southern Baptist circles and have just, you know, again, I, my main concern has been the church. I mean, I mm. love the church I pastor, and folks are so wonderful here. Um, and so in that sense, the Southern Baptist Convention, I, I've said this, and pastors who pastor churches like ours, we, we kind of agree on this, that, man, you know, we've, we've always thought with well, the Southern Baptist Convention is wonderful, it's convenient, if we can cooperate together to do things, we'll do that. But the real, whether the rubber hits the road is in the local church. And we've yeah. had that said. You know, our, our entity heads and others have said that headquarters in the Southern Baptist Convention is the local church. And I believe that. I believe that. But the reality over the last few years is that uh, the troops aren't listening to headquarters. Yeah. Because a lot 
of signals have come from headquarters of, hey, we, we want to raise some flags here. We got concerns. And it's like, you guys just shut up and keep sending your money and uh, just do your job. Yeah, maybe the headquarters are in local mega churches and not, not yeah, small churches. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and, and typically, I mean, that, this that's another reality. I don't know if there's been a, a an ordinary pastor of an ordinary size Southern Baptist church that has been president uh, of the SBC in my lifetime, or at least not in, in recent uh, history. And that's, you know, no disrespect to mega churches. Praise God for the men that have those gifts and abilities to, to shepherd well large churches. So that's not a, you know, an automatic uh, negative thing at all. But the reality is that that represents about 1% of the churches in the SBC. Mm. And uh, if the regular churches with ordinary pastors get involved and recognize that we have a voice. These entities, these agencies, these institutions belong to our churches. We built them. We finance them. Uh, they are being held in trust for us. They're supposed to be by the trustees that we appoint. Mm-hmm. And if those churches would get involved and be willing to just go to a business meeting two days a year, I know it's hard. And uh, I know going out to Anaheim this summer in California is going to be especially hard. But if you care about the Southern Baptist Convention, and you want to see a change of direction and honest assessment of some of the secularism and godless ideologies that have infiltrated in, you want those things to be addressed and to be uh, rebuffed, there's only one way to do it. you got to show up in Anaheim, and you have to vote for a president who will see that and be willing to honestly try to address that. Mm-hmm. You know, The president doesn't have a lot of authority. I mean, it, it gets to moderate the business meeting the year after he's elected um he gets to appoint the committee on committees he gets to appoint the committee on resolutions and he's an ex officio member of the trustees and the different boards and agencies or different agencies and institutions but that committee on committees is really important because the president appoints that committee those are his hand-picked people that committee then they handpick the committee on nominations mm-hmm. and it's the committee on nominations then that goes throughout the SBC and comes up with candidates to fill the vacancies for the trustees of all of our boards and uh, institutions and those trustees rotate and so you don't replace all of them every year but on a rotating basis you do replace them and I, I forget how many trustees uh, vacancies come up a year. It's you know probably fifty to hundred or fifty to seventy five, something like that. And so it takes a series of years with people on the same page, same concerns, same con- uh, commitments to see substantive change begin to take place. But the president can begin that process, and the president also has a bully pulpit to be able to speak to things in a voice where people listen mm-hmm. and say, "Well, okay, let's look at that." You know, and and God in His providence has um, has just positioned me through founders, I guess, and relationships to, um, to have an opportunity to speak like that. And so I've just been convinced that it's a matter of stewardship. And I don't know if God will have me be president or not, but I do believe that um, he has led me through counsel that I trust, uh, our church, our elders, uh, friends that are far smarter than I am, mm-hmm. to recognize, okay, uh, this, this would be a good God-honoring effort. So I'm willing to make it and... Um, I'm, I'm humbled by it, and I'm, I'm somewhat uh, still a little bit uh, stunned by the fact that we are here having this conversation. But I would say that if you agree with these concerns or if you want greater representation from regular churches in the SBC, then do the hard work and uh, pay the price and be willing to come to Anaheim. And let's have an honest conversation and see what God might do. And I would appreciate your support. 
Yeah, you know, as we thought through these issues um, as the elders of Grace Baptist Church, um, because you know you were not going to just go run as president without the approval, absolutely not, the advice of the elders. And so, you know, we took several weeks to think through it, to pray, to pray through it, and uh, some of the issues I think that were most convincing to us that that convinced us that you should run um, is just how how important the SBC actually is. You know, for our, by God's grace, our church is an incredibly healthy church. You know, we have our difficulties and our, and our issues and the Lord helps us through that, but we're an incredibly healthy church. And, you know, if the SBC were to, to disappear tomorrow or to go completely liberal tomorrow, in one sense, that wouldn't affect our church no. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the Southern Baptist convention, for instance, trains so many pastors, mm-hmm. you know, in a generation when none of the elders are still here at Grace Baptist Church. You know, who's going to be coming in as a pastor at Grace Baptist Church? It's a likelihood that, that he'll be trained by one of those um, Southern Baptist seminaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, th- we have to consider the health of our church now, but also the health of our church in the future. And right. the waters that we're swimming in, you know, in a large extent are determined by the Southern Baptist Convention. It's a massive denomination. It's a massive association. Um, and so when it comes to uh, the kingdom work, the kingdom of God, you know, the Lord can do anything he wants, but he uses ordinary means. And so for us to be able to do what we can as a church and for you to be able to do what you can as someone, as a pastor in a Southern Baptist church to influence the convention toward good, we, we figured we have to do whatever we can to do that. And it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy choice. We're a small church and for our senior pastor to go out and to spend a lot of time uh, on these things, you know, it's, it'll, it'll be a struggle for us, but we considered that it was worth it anyway. And, and so I hope that many other Southern Baptist churches see the way in which it'll be worth, it'll be worth the cost of getting to Anaheim. It'll be worth the time of going to Anaheim um, and even worth, you know, some of the difficulty of just being in Anaheim uh, to vote for a president who sees these issues and sees, sees them clearly and has uh, actionable uh, points and, and, and things that he plans on doing to help to right the ship. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Graham. That's my attitude as well. Is that, um, you know, God's up to something. We, we pray for the SBC. We pray for fellow Southern Baptist churches and pastors regularly. And uh, if this is what God would have me do and invest time and energy in, then I want to I want to be faithful. I want to do my very best. And if this is not what he has for me, well, that's fine. I've got a full plate in uh, leading the church uh, here in Cape Coral and serving with fellow elders here, and I'll be delighted to uh, do that. That is my main calling. It's not going to stop being my main calling no matter what happens in Anaheim or leading up to Anaheim. But I would ask uh, to those of you who are listening to this, if, if you would be willing to pray for me, pray for our church, and just ask God to uh, guide us, to uh, help me, to honor him, to, to not... Um, go off on tangents or talk beyond things that I really know or, or to uh, pretend to be something I'm not, but that he would be willing to guide and lead this process and that his will would be done. And I'll be contented with that, whatever that might be. Well, man, thanks for listening to this. Thanks for uh, your praying for this. Pray for the SBC. We want the Lord to be glorified, and we trust that he will be in however he deems to work things moving forward over the next few months.